Now we're talking about supernatural increase uh, by sowing. We've already talked about the importance of walking in the truth, uh, faithfulness and diligence, and the importance of the tithe. And we want to see how God sets us up for supernatural increase in every area of our life when we become not just every once in a while planter of the things of God, but a sower, a lifestyle of sowing. Say it, I'm a lifestyle sower. And this concept of seed goes all the way back to Genesis in Genesis chapter 1. God, uh, verse 28, blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, and they will be yours for food. The importance of, of seed from the very, very beginning. Now I want you also to see over in Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve sinned, they uh, fell from grace, God immediately began to put a plan in action for our redemption. How I many know that uh, God has always planned our redemption? Scripture tells us in verse 15 in Genesis chapter 3, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, speaking of the enmity between the Son of God and this serpent, this enemy, the devil, and between your offspring and hers, or your seed and hers, and he will crush your head. Aren't you glad we know who wins this fight? And uh, you see from the very beginning here that God had ordained this concept of seed time and harvest, which if you turn to Genesis chapter 8, you'll see again. And when man blew it, God's solution for us was to sow a seed. And that seed was Jesus. And the scripture tells us over in uh, John 12, 24, that unless the, the seed falls to the ground, dies, it abideth alone, does not abide, it, if it doesn't die, it abides alone. But if it does, in fact, die where it is sown, it springs up and produces a great crop. And you and I are, guess what? We're the crop. Turn to somebody and say, you're his crop. So you can see that how would God fix this awful thing called sin? How would God fix this redemption? How would God fix the death that came because of sin? He would sow a seed. Now if we're paying attention, that tells us that God has put a premium on the process of seed time and harvest. Amen. Not only is he telling us to practice this, he actually models this in his own life, in his own dealings with mankind. Does the scripture not say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Yes, he sowed him into the ground so that you and I can have redemption. But it didn't end there. He came up from the grave. I said he came up from the grave and he brought us out of death as well because of that seed that was sown. This is an eternal principle for you and for me to wrap our minds around. The scripture says in Genesis 8:22, as long as the earth endures seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Say that with me, seed time and harvest. Isaiah 55 tells us that the seed that comes down, of course, from heaven that bears fruit according to his purpose and his plan is the word of God. His word does not return void. That should give you great confidence. If you are sowing word seed, you're going to get a good harvest off of that. If you're believing God for certain things based on word seed, you can have confidence that seed is going to work. 1 Peter 1.23 tells us we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of 
incorruptible seed, the living, the enduring, the Word of God. In other words, every one of us is born again. Look at somebody and say, there is no deformed spirit. No person born again is deformed. So if I take the human heart, if I take the born again spirit and I put the incorruptible seed in there, I'm going to get a great harvest. In other words, everybody in this room that is a confessor and a professor of Jesus Christ, every person who claims to be born again, every human being in this room, everyone watching online right now, if you are born again, you have the capacity to produce great harvest from the Word of God. Yes, in the natural there are deformities. Yes, in physical bodies there are birth defects. But there's no such thing as a spiritual birth defect in the kingdom of God. That's why you and I can... Rise up and do great things that God has for us to do. Because we are all made equal, not by some man's sense of justice or by man's attempts, but by what Jesus did on the cross over 2,000 years ago. I'm so thankful that he got up. I said, I'm so thankful he got up. Isn't it about time that we got up? Galatians chapter 6 is a scripture of 7 through 9 you should memorize and keep close to your heart. The J.B. Phillips says, don't be under any illusion. You cannot make a, a fool of God. A man's harvest in life will depend entirely on what he sows. Now we can believe that or not believe it, but it's the word of God. If he sows for his own lower nature, his harvest will be the decay and death of his own nature. But if he sows for the spirit, he will reap the harvest of everlasting life by that spirit. Let us not grow tired of doing good. What does good mean in this context? Let us not get tired of sowing seed. Let us not get tired of being a sower. For unless we throw in our hand, the ultimate harvest is assured. The Amplified says, for whatever a man sows, that and only that is what he will reap. Listen to those words. That and only that will he reap. You and I aren't limited because somehow God is holding back on us because we weren't born with a silver spoon in our mouth. We were born on the wrong side of the tracks. We were born in the wrong country, in the wrong state or county, or with the wrong color or culture or creed. You know what? According to this word of God, we're only limited by our own seed sowing. You see this? And when you get this by revelation again, it's not just uh, somebody saying this to you, but you getting this in your heart, you begin to see that I can take the lids off in Jesus' name. I can take the cap off of my life and be exactly what he has ordained me to be. But listen carefully. It's not just going to happen because you're here and you're born again. You're going to have to understand that the pathway to becoming what God has called you to become is through seed time and harvest. Doesn't happen overnight. I said it doesn't happen overnight, but it will happen if you'll hang in there. Say, I'm not a quitter. I'm not going to get tired of sowing seed. You say, is that important? Yeah, a lot of people in the body of Christ all over the world, and even in this country, and especially this country, have gotten tired of sowing spiritual seed during COVID. Can I tell you something? That's when you should have been turned on the most. You didn't need less seed during this time. You needed more seed. And there's not a few pastors and leaders in this country, and I'm one of them, concerned for the, the nature and the health of this nation spiritually because of the lack of seed sowing during this crisis. Hello? When I speak the Word of God, it's not at me or at you. It's the Word of God for the body of Christ. It's a mandate. It's a commission. 
And it's outstanding and rather amazing that COVID only visits the church. You can sit down in a restaurant, go to Walmart for two hours, go to the druggist, go here, go there, and, and boy, you're safe. But God help you if you walk into the house of God. Those, that COVID virus is supercharged. So when are you going to stop talking about that? I may never stop talking about this. <laughs> because the body of Christ needs to remember that Jesus is Lord. And the result has been a lack of sowing. And what do you get when there's a lack of sowing? You get a lack of reaping. God still loves us. God is still for us. But he is not going to violate his eternal principle because he feels sorry for us. If we want to harvest in life, we're going to have to what? We're going to have to sow. Amen. Sowing seed is the only legal system in the earth. Listen carefully. All things produced in the earth come through seed. Turn to your neighbor and say, you came through seed. How many know the dogs come through seed? And the cats come through seed? Amen? And the wheat comes through seed, and the corn comes through seed? It doesn't come through evolution. It comes through seed. It doesn't come through natural selection. It comes through seed. It doesn't come through the Big Bang. It comes through seed. And it didn't come from some alien one day. It comes through seed. Come on, shout it out. It comes through seed. If you sow your seed, you get a harvest. Come on, shout it out. No seed, no harvest. It's not personal. If we're not working the system of the kingdom of God, we can't expect to get the harvest the word of God promises. So I want you just to, to think broader for just a moment. There are lots of applications like this. For example, we sow seed towards our deliverance and sow seed towards our healing, sow seeds you know, towards our prosperity, sow seeds you know, towards the things that God has called us to do. But think broader here for a moment. It all works by the same mechanism. Anything that you are missing in life, anything that's not manifest or made apparent to you, it can be developed and grown with the right seed. Amen? Amen. So no one in this room is pathetic. Amen. No one in this room needs to be depressed thinking they're second class. No one in this room needs to think that somehow I'll never get ahead or this won't work for me. That's just the devil talking to you. Listen to me. You get hold of this revelation and you will catapult above many people of like precious faith just by keeping and heeding to what the word says. The universality of seed is very, very plain. God has not nor will he do anything in the earth except through seed. Some say, why did Jesus have to come as a man and die? Well, because everything that comes into this earth has to come through what? Seed. So there'll be no sacrifice sufficient for our sin and for our forgiveness and deliverance unless that sacrifice came through that mechanism of seed time and harvest. I want to just sow this in your, in your spirit and get a hold of this. A lot of talk about the sovereignty of God and he does what he wants. You never know what God's going to do. That's all nonsense. Can I tell you something? Your God is consistent. Consistently. 
true and faithful and loving and kind and gracious. And that's, that means if I will take his word, his word is also consistent. Amen. Every thought you think is a seed. You start meditating on that and you go, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Say it, every thought is a seed. Every action is a seed. Every word is a seed. The kingdom man or woman of God says, I need to make sure that my thoughts and my actions and my words line up with the word of God. Because if you want to harvest from the things of God, we've got to make sure we're actually sowing the word of God. So say it with me, every word, every action, every thought is a seed. So you see, whether you want to sit here today and say, well, I just, I just really get a hold of this and I can really grab this and run with this and you're really excited about it or not so much, you're already sowing. Let me give you the big four one one. Even though you haven't known it, you're sowing every day. All we're trying to do is kind of shove you in the direction of sowing correctly. You've been sowing from the day you got on this planet. And you've been harvesting since the day you got on this planet. Now what you can do is make this principle work for you instead of it working against you. Now, in the Word of God, there are five very important principles that will help you become an effective sower. Say it with me, I'm an effective sower. Oh, Pastor, can't you just run around the platform a little bit and foam at the mouth and get red in the face? And can't you just swing from the chandeliers? Well, first, we don't have any chandeliers. Second of all, I can tell you this, that may entertain you, but when you walk out of here, you'll still be defeated. It is revelation that propels you to victory in every area of your life. And never has that been needed more than it is right now. So go with me over to Mark chapter 4. And let's talk about this. Mark chapter 4. Shout it out one more time. Every thought, every word, every action is a seed. Raise your hand if you love Mark 4. All right, put the hand back up and say, Father, I'm asking you today for the greatest revelation I've ever had on Mark 4, the principles for the sower in Jesus' name. Do you think he'll answer that prayer? I know he will. It's a godly, godly prayer desire in your heart. Here's the first key principle, and then we'll read scriptures that correspond to this. Keys to being an effective sower, and we would say getting to that 30, 60, and 100 fold sounds awful good, doesn't it, church? Number one, it requires the Word of God. And the Word requires there for a reason. It requires the Word of God. We need the word seed for everything we would believe God for. The new birth, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, healing, deliverance, miracles, increase, whatever it is. It's required that we have the word. The scripture says in the beginning was the word. And that tells you if you're going to begin anything, if you're going to start anything, start by sowing the word into that situation. 
In the beginning was the Word. And the scripture says in Mark 4 verse 1, Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake, and the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, give heed. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Turn to somebody and say, that's me. Then Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The implication is, everybody will hear the sounds, not everybody will have the revelation. Let me try that one more time. Everybody will hear the sound, but not everybody will walk away with the revelation. When he was alone with the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He said, he, he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. So that they may be seen but never perceiving, hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. And Jesus said this to them, and listen to this very carefully. Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Mark this, highlight this, star it, write it 15 times. Remember when you got in trouble in grade school and they made you write something on the board? Get this deep into your spirit. This is the central teaching of the function of the kingdom of God. The way that God does what he does is the principle of seed time and harvest. And if we miss this, we're going to miss the kind of life that God has designed for us. Do you know that God has more for you than just being born again, living and dying one day and going to heaven? There's a lot of sowing and a lot of reaping he wants you to do while you're on this planet. There are a lot of things he wants you to grow and develop and walk in and mature in while you're on this planet. If you're ever listening to me right now, God still has something for you to do. I said, God has something for you to do. And it's going to be attached to this principle of requiring the word of God first place. We say it's first place and what? Final authority. It's the first place you go to for counsel, not the last place you go to for counsel. Well, nothing else works. Maybe I'll try the word of God today. No, don't try the word of God on the bottom of the list. Go to it first. And then once you hear from the word of God, make it final authority no poll is necessary. Here's what God has said. You make the word of God the most you know, important thing in your life. You, you have it in your eye with great esteem and great honor because we're living in a day that we can't even count on the church in America to hold to that honor. That's right. That's right. It's just where we're at. Everything revolves around the integrity of word, seed. Everything we grow, everything we develop, everything we will ever be throughout eternity is going to be the result of seed, time, and harvest. 
You cannot dismiss the very bag of seed and expect to have the harvest God wants for you. You cannot denigrate it. You cannot put it down. You cannot ignore it. You cannot set it aside. You need to be a word person like you've never been before in your entire life. You need to stick to this word of God like Gorilla Glue. You heard that lady put that Gorilla Glue in her hair? I do recommend you treat the word of God that way and don't you let anybody sever you from it. What's happening? Just the other day in Nashville, a pastor got up and he said, the Bible is not the word of God. We are in progressive Christianity. Can I help you out here? Now we just get to pick and choose the principles and the outlines and the things we think are relevant to us that we cast judgment on and support, and we just separate ourselves from the rest of it. Can I tell you something? There's no such thing as progressive Christianity. You're either with the one true Christianity, or you're not a Christian at all. And deviating from that book and from that seed means you are not really walking out a faithful walk and commitment to Christ. Let me explain this to you. And I know you're like me. I remember the day when we, we, we set the hymnals aside and we started to sing off the wall. <laughs> Lexi, you'll remember that. Woo! And we didn't have any fancy machines like we have now. We had an overhead projector, didn't we, Sister Rita? And you had somebody sit there, nervous as they could be, and all they had to do was flip the next transparency like it was in first grade. People just say, oh my goodness, can God possibly do that? <laughs> and the idea was, well, we just don't want to be traditional. The first word that pushed people away from the word of God and the doctrines that flow from that. And understand, I was raised Lutheran. I'm not preaching Lutheranism here. I'm just simply telling you that a lot of truth has been missed because it's no longer sung in the house of God all over the Christian church, not just in America. So in fear of tradition, we don't want to be labeled the traditional church, so we'll just kind of get out there and start talking about tradition. And the second word that came was, well, we ought to be relevant. Because, you know, people can't connect with us. The Word of God, you know, it just isn't that relevant. So we got to do something else to make people, you know, understand it's, it's relevant. Can I tell you something? When you have a book that is eternal, it is relevant in every generation, every family, every race, every culture, every time. It will always be relevant. It will never lose its force, its power, its influence, its anointing. Never. How dare a man stand and cast judgment over the integrity of the Word of God? It makes me think that's the mercy of God. There's not a greasy spot on that platform where he used to be. It's not isolated. Dr. Barkley went into a church of like four or 5,000 people and asked in that church, how many of y'all have a Bible? He said three people had a Bible in their hand. Now I realize we have digital things now. Some of you walk in here with a laptop and a handheld and an iPad and a Bible, you got it all. You get a gold star, hallelujah. What he was saying is that same church was doing the same thing. Well, we don't, we don't preach the word of God as the ultimate authority. Woo! I will not sit here and tell you that me or my 
wonderful board or my wonderful staff or any leader, any servant, anybody involved with our daycare, I will not tell you that any of us have arrived or are perfect. I won't tell you that without fault. We're not people who have got everything figured out. But I will tell you this. I will give you one promise. There will be no ministry in this church that does not honor the principle of the word at the highest level of authority and integrity that we can possibly give it. That's a promise. We will stick to the word of God. And that word will light our way and it will get us back if we do get off track. And it will show us and correct us and love us and encourage. It will do what it's supposed to do. But you can't just say, I'm going to just pick anything I want. Man's brains or man's philosophy or the latest person who thinks that, that Christianity should be different than somehow it used to be. Let me tell you something. Some things can't change and they won't change. There'll never be another Savior. There'll never be another heaven. You understand what I'm saying to you? Yes, there's a new heaven, a new earth. But understand what I'm saying to you? There is no other destination. And there's no other way to get there. This is nothing new. Can I help you out here? This talk about progressives in politics, progressives in culture. It's not progressive. It's regressive. It's all been tried before. These same people did the same thing in the first century. We called them Gnostics. Why? Because they're know-it-alls. We have secret information you don't have. And don't be throwing that Bible up to me. You don't have secret knowledge that somehow is more authoritative than that book. It is a height of arrogance to do that. And God help you if you're leading a congregation doing this. Say it with me. The word is the seed. It is first place. And final authority. I give it the highest level of honor, highest level of respect in my life. You will never be anything but blessed with that attitude. You will be preserved and guided and protected all the days of your life with an attitude like that towards the Word of God. Progressives. First it was, we're not the traditional church, and we're the ones that are relevant. Now we're progressive. All you're doing is throwing you and your people into a ditch. This week, the absolute genius of a president in Venezuela authorized the printing of a Bolivar bill. We're the dollar. They have a Bolivar. A million dollar, or million Bolivar. It's worth 50 U.S. cents. Wow, let me in on how progressive that is. Or if you pile all the money you have on a table, you can't even buy a slice of bread. You want to know why the idea of progressive culture, progressive government, progressive politics, why it doesn't work? Because it violates the word of God. That's why it doesn't work. And it never will. I understand the school's doing it. I understand the culture doing it. I understand the government pushing this stuff. I understand entertainment, you know, trying to drive us into this and push us into this mindset. But God help me, I don't understand the church embracing it. Let me help you out here. Your call is not to social justice. Your call is to spiritual justice. Your call is to sow your life like a seed, live it out, as the, for the glory of God and do what he wants you to do. 
And the Lord's going to take care of every injustice. We know that from Scripture. Amen. Amen. If I'm going to talk about the sower and growing things in your life, you need to understand there's only one seed that is incorruptible. How far people have moved away from that attitude today in this country. Amen. Come on, say it for me. It's first place and it's final authority. Say it again. It is first place and it is final authority. Come on, say it. I don't care. Who rejects it, makes fun of it, dismisses it, waters it down, tries to correct it. To me, it is the truth. Hallelujah. Now, when you hear somebody say, you walk into the door and they say, we're progressive Christians. They show you what to do. Come here, Dylan. Somebody had a birthday recently, didn't they? Yeah. Happy, happy, happy birthday. Yeah. X marks the spot. Now, when I say they were progressive, you're going to run yeah. like Forrest Gump. And keep on running. Go through that door, go down the highway, and keep on running. Okay. Right. We're a progressive church. No, you're not. He's really going to do it, isn't he? <laughs> uh, you can come back now. No, it's not time for a potty break. Get back in here right now. Yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to run. Because what you're hearing is watered down, compromised, man-centered, emotion-ruled, hyper-intellectualism that will bring nothing ultimately but defeat to the people of God. Amen? Say, I'm in a word church. And I thank God I'm in a word church. Key to being an effective sower is it requires the word. You know, not man's interpretation, not man's correction, not man's addition to it concerns me because I remember in the back of the book where Jesus says, if you add anything to this book. There's an awful lot of horrible things in the book of Revelation that are now added to them as well. If you take away from this book, you take away your part that is offered to those that are faithful the tree of life. It's a big deal. Hallelujah. Are you still here? Number two. Effective sowing requires the right kind of soil. The right kind of soil. Jesus now interprets this. It says that this is the key to understanding everything in the kingdom of God. If you don't get this, you won't get anything. Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows what? The word. The word is the seed. Shout that out. The word, the word is the seed. seed. Some people, look at somebody say, some people. some people. 
are like seed along the path where the weed is sown, the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Write this, un, write this down. The right kind of soul is the heart that understands the word, receives it and understands it. I would like to uh, think to myself that everybody's walking out of here with understanding. Amen. But I know better. I've been in this a while. There's some people that are, you know, catching up on their Z's. There are some people that are rifling through their phone. There are some people that are, I won't point you out, so just, just relax, relax, relax. There are some people thinking about that pot roast. There some people thinking about that problem at work. Other people are focused on what's going to happen tomorrow. But there are people that are here and they're saying to themselves, I'm going to get this. I'm going to walk this out. Oftentimes now when I'm, I'm teaching and I realize that the Lord is pulling things out and He is blessing us through every level and dimension of this ministry, the revelation that is, is a gift of God. But how many understand it's also a responsibility? That I'll stop and say to myself, man, if I only knew that when I was 10 or 12 or 15 or even 20, if I understood this, your, your seed along the path that's scooped up by the enemy when there's no receiving and understanding what's going forth. And a lot of reasons for that to happen. But sometimes it's just about focusing and being attentive to what God is actually doing. Listen to this. And notice it says he takes away the seed that was sown. Which means if he takes away the seed, there is no harvest. That's right. Okay, let's say that you hear a sermon that really lifts you up to the heavens. Amen. And you get so excited about that word. How many know it's the word that you're excited about that works for you? If you're not excited about the word, it's not going to work for you. But you happen to be excited, but, but you know, everything you know, comes in and the understanding is lost. It just comes away and, and just takes that seed away. You're thinking, I'm going to get a harvest because I heard pastors met four messages on tithing. Man, I tell you what, praise the Lord. And I will say it, I wish I had those four messages when I was just a baby Christian. I would love to have had just the basic truth that is, that is there about why we actually do what we do. Especially baby Christians should have this. We are so messed up in the body of Christ. We shouldn't teach baby Christians tithing. That's the wrong thing initially to teach them. Why? They just came out of their exodus. We should teach them. But you heard them. You may have even amen a time or two. Because I heard four messages on tithing. Ooh, I'm going to get a harvest. Only if you sow the seed. Only if you tithe. Only if you appropriate faith towards that. See, that's how we know understanding was not there. There's a second group here. Others like seeds sown in rocky places. Hear the word at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So they're excited. Amen. Divine healing. Divine health. Amen. Increase. Supernatural increase. Praise the Lord. Triumph. Don't tell me I have to preach every one of those messages again on triumph. So when I say triumph, you yell. Ready? Triumph. Okay. Excited. But then a funny thing happens to those people who do get revelation. These are not people who don't have understanding. These are people that do have understanding and revelation. And it's in their heart, and they're thrilled at the possibilities of what God could do. 
Do you mean God baptizes people in the Holy Ghost like he did in the book of Acts and they speak in tongues and the operating gifts and miracles and signs and wonders? That was me. I was thrilled about what the Word of God said and thrilled about the promises he makes and thrilled about the potential that's out there and thrilled about what God can do. You're thrilled. And then a funny thing happened on the way to work. That very word you have revelation of is now an entry point for the devil to attack you. It doesn't say if trouble or persecution comes because of the word. It says when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away. And one translation indicates they get then offended at the word. Can I give you a tip here? Just one. Stick your finger up there, the air and say, Pastor, just one tip. One, one tip. If you're offended at the word, you're in trouble. And closely related to that is offended at the messenger. But let me point out the obvious. I didn't write it. But I can tell you, people have received the word, got excited, and here came the battle, here came the struggle, here came the trouble, here came the junk to try to supplant the word out of the heart. That's what the devil is trying to do, is get you to let go of the word through the trouble and persecution. And in the midst of you going through that, you get offended and get put out. Faith stuff doesn't work, bless God. These faith preachers, naming it and claiming it and blabbing it and grabbing it. I named it, I claimed it, I blabbed it, I grabbed it, I turned around three times, I said it five times and it didn't work. You see this? They didn't give the seed enough time to work. Are you still here? It's not just the heart that understands the word and protects that revelation. It's the heart that perseveres in trouble or persecution. Amen. Amen. Let me have your absolute undivided attention if I don't already. And everyone look at me very carefully. Listen very, very carefully. (laughs) If you do sow the seed and you get revelation, you will be persecuted. Trouble will come. Well, then, Pastor, what incentive do I have? Yes, my brother, my sister, you paid a big old faith bullseye. These people that think they understand faith and they denigrate us, you know, that, that associate with the things of the Spirit and the Word of God, they make all kinds of funny comments about that. They haven't even listened to the teaching. Faith is not some panacea that protects you from trouble and persecution. It invites it. But listen, listen. If you will persevere, you'll get your harvest. And you'll prove that God's Word is true time and time and time again. I'm just going to be trying to understand and help you understand here that when it comes to the life of the sower, to be effective, you have got to have a person who holds on to that word, even it looks like it ain't never going to come to pass. Can I tell you something? Eventually, God always settles accounts. Amen. Amen. Can I tell you something? Try this on for size. If that's true, then even the things that you didn't see when you had breath are still coming to pass on the other side. One of the things I think that you get to enjoy the moment you, you reach across that threshold in heaven 
is a massive harvest that were still out there for you. You're going to win no matter what. Come on, everybody go with the fingers. Woo! I win. Now, some of y'all are at the ballpark, you've been, woo! Woo! Do it again. But in church, you're so dignified. Woo! Woo! And you wave like a Lutheran. Woo! Everybody, woo! Hallelujah. Say, I have a heart that understands. I have a heart that perseveres. Look at this third kind of individual. Still others like seeds sown along the thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. There has to be a heart that overcomes worries, deception, and various desires. The key is pursue God, desire Him, and all these things will have their place in your life. Pursue them, and you'll choke the Word of God out. Get the Word on the promise and pursue God and stay in His Word. These things will follow you. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Pastor has a stalker. Did you know that? I don't talk about it all the time, but I have a stalker. <laughs> His name is Goodness. Look at some mind tell them, you have a stalker too. And its name is goodness. Deuteronomy 28 tells us, these blessings shall come up on me and overtake me. But the key to that verse is, if I hearken diligently unto the voice of the word of God, what is that? The word seed. If I hearken to it, I don't have to worry about stuff coming. It's going to come up on you and overtake you. Such a simple principle that sometimes people don't get. I don't have to go after all this stuff and make it my worry in my life. I go after God and his word. This stuff's going to follow me. Listen to this. All the days of my life. I wonder what's coming next. Some of you have trained yourselves for what the next she drop's going to hold. No, you ought to be saying, I wonder what else is going to overtake me today. Amen? Amen? I wonder what aspect and dimension of goodness is following me right now. Hallelujah. I found y'all in the Bible. Come on. I found you guys in the Bible. This is mine and my business, studying and reading the Word, and I found you all in the Bible. You found me. <laughs> I found you. Others. This is you. Like seed sown on good ground. Hear the word. Accept it. And produce a crop. 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. I have found y'all in the word of God. Hallelujah. Can you receive that? The heart that overcomes worries, deception, and desires. The heart that perseveres. The heart that understands the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Amazing. Amazing. 
Say it. I can grow, I can grow. anything, anything. That's, promised that's promised in the Word of God, word of God. Through, through the Word seed. Can you see what the devil's trying to do to the church? Take our asset away from us. Take our seed away from us so now we're just a natural gathering. I found a long time ago there's, there's what we do in our worship and then there's what the Holy Ghost is doing who is the true teacher of the church and right now he's, he's sowing seeds and planting things in hearts. And you know, that's not possible when people turn their back on the Word of God. The best we can do is try to reach you intellectually. The best we can do is try to reach you emotionally. But that's not how you sow the seed. The depository for the seed of the Word of God is the spirit man. Not only is it the only incorruptible seed, listen, it's the only seed for the spirit man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 30, 60, and 100 fold. Sounds really good. Amen. From last week, if you weren't here, I want you to confess this out loud. Everybody say, we reap. We reap. If yeah. we sow. We sow. sow what? Seed. We reap, we reap. After, after we sow. We, sow. we, reap. we reap what? We sow. We, sow. we reap, we reap. more then we sow. We reap. How? We sow. So that a little bit on uh, Wednesday. I just want to point this out to you. Anybody here ever had a bad day? <laughs> Anybody ever experience a severe loss in your life? Anybody here ever go through a period of mourning? Amen? Anybody here ever, ever felt betrayed or threatened or misused or abused, downtrodden, and your heart was heavy. Scripture does say he that goes sowing, amen, even though sorrowful, what's going to happen? Sow in tears, sow in sorrow, you reap in. That's what you call an all-weather sower. Now, I don't want to belabor the point, but I want to point out to you, sometimes Christians won't seek God any other time but trouble. So their trouble becomes a prime time of sowing. And so they experience growth and revelation and things they didn't experience before. God didn't orchestrate any of that just so you would be more hungry. But the point is, you should be an all-weather sower. But watch this. Paul said that God loves a cheerful giver. When you're sowing, sow what? Enjoy. Watch this. The proof that I have actually sown in faith, the proof is that I have joy in doing it. The proof that something is growing on the inside of me is I have joy in sowing the seed towards that. You see that? There's a reason why some people shout when somebody says it's time to give offerings and tithes. There's a reason for that. And there's a reason for some of you saying, those are the weirdest people on the planet. Actually, happy about giving money away. They need their temperature taken, amen. 
They have something worse than COVID going on. How can they be happy about that? Because they know something you don't know yet. I didn't just throw my tithe in a garbage can. I didn't sow my seed, you know, into concrete. I know that God's going to do something wonderful in me and through me. And that's a critical part of your sowing is to be able to know that that you're sowing in faith and faith is the response of the word that you're sowing because if it is, then joy is going to be there. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy is going to be there. So when we're grumpy givers, we miss the point. Amen? Amen. When we're just habitual bucket plunkers, we miss the point. But when Revelation comes in, because of the seed that's been sown and held on to you through the persecution and the trouble, bypass all those desires and worries and fears and things that are trying to choke out the word of God, you held on and 30, 60, and 100 fold is completely in the realm of possibility for you. Amen. I mean, joy marks the Christian in general. But it should particularly be a byproduct of receiving. I've been to believers' conventions before. Basically, how that works is all week long. Uh, two sessions in the morning, two at night, and one at night. I mean, you're literally sitting under the Word eight, ten hours a day. And I've literally seen this with my own eyes. People walk in there just beat to a pulp on Monday morning. And people tend to sit in the same place. Isn't that right, Bill? <laughs> and this, just sit and right. And, and you can watch and see the impact of the sowing of the seed at that level begin to touch people and their countenance change and their spirits change and their graciousness changes and chains fall off of them. And one of the biggest byproducts you'll walk, you'll notice is all these people walking around in joy. Watch this. Not because everything is already done and fixed. Not because every manifestation was already received. The joy is there because the seed that produces all of that is there. And there's faith that it's working. And the result is what? Joy. Come on, shout it out. Joy. Joy. Joy in your Bible reading. Joy in coming to church. Joy in prayer. Joy in giving. Joy in serving. Joy in reaching out. Joy in loving people. Joy. If I don't have joy, it's because I don't have seed. Well, just say what you mean, Pastor. I usually do. If I don't have any joy, it's because I don't have My God, see it. I'm just mad. Okay. <laughs> Joy, the byproduct of the seed sum. It works in every heart and every life. Can you receive that today? Yeah, yeah. Come on, give him a big hand clap and thank him for it. <laughs>